so many notes. That, that's one thing I, I talk about too. It's, it's... Oh my God. <laughs> um, um, hey, Emily, can you make a note for our producer to uh, edit out your um, contribution? Oh my God. Sorry. Hey everyone, I'm Noah Barnett, the VP of Marketing here at Feather. And today in the studio, I'm joined by two special guests and two Feather flockmates or flock peeps. Emily Purvis, our marketing designer, and William Henry, our content marketing manager. And they're joining me to have a special episode where we're going to do a season one rewind to pull out the trends and highlights. We just had such great conversations on season one of the pod. And we want to surface those to you. Hey, Emily. Hey, William. Hello. Hey, excited to be here. So I believe this is the first time you've both been on the podcast this season. That's correct. That's that's true. Long time listener. First time guest. (laughs) (laughs) And just for context for our listeners, um, Emily is always in the background being a producer. She designs all the graphics and promotion materials. She's very close and works with our editor, to it and producer to ensure that the episodes sound great. So Emily's been close to it, even though she hasn't been in the studio on the pod. And then William has been doing all the recaps and the summaries of episodes. So if you've read any of those, they've both contributed deeply to the success of season one. And I just want to publicly thank you all for helping make season one a success. Oh, thanks, Noah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you to you. Well, this is the rewind episode. And A big part of what we were going after with season one of Marketing Unplugged was we really wanted to have stripped down conversations, different questions where we actually get into the weeds with our guests, whether they're operators or consultants, on how they actually saw success and the learnings they had. And we surfaced a bunch of learnings and almost too much to recap fully. So if you haven't listened to the full season one, highly recommend it. Season one is fully available. The first 12 tracks are there. This will be the 13th track on season one. And yeah, it's just incredible. Yeah, I feel like this season went by really quick. Yeah, I, I remember when I, w- I, like, I was new to the team and I was like, y'all, we're going to do a podcast. And we were brainstorming ideas and like this, that, and the other. And it was just like a dream. And this idea, like on a Zoom whiteboard or a Google Doc, and now like we're here, wrapping up and reviewing season one. Yeah, yeah, and not not only. I mean, I think you already said this too. Like, not only fast. It's like so much, so much stuff, uh, so much ground has been covered in those twelve episodes. So just a lot to unpack, which is just so exciting today. Yeah, and we're gonna dig into each of them and do kind of like an episode rewind. But some of the big trends that stood out for me, and I'd love you guys to share yours because I knew you were consuming the content and learning from the content, was the depth of commitment across various disciplines in marketing to finding what's unique about nonprofit marketing, not just marketing. So there's a lot of best practices and things we can glean from kind of marketing overall. But the reason we're on this podcast is, and you're listening to this, is that we are talking about nonprofit marketing and the unique attributes of that. And so from everything, you know, from talking to like Brady Josephson at Charity Water and talking about how he thinks about cultivating connections at scale, you know, millions of supporters and how that still is, there's gleaned insights from, you know, the Ubers or the Airbnbs or other big brands that he follows 
but how it's still all about benchmarking against his own success and his team's success and what they can learn. Or talking to like John Walsh about email testing and saying, hey, there's best practices in email marketing, but what are the best practices and the best approaches for email for nonprofits? And then even talking to like Lindsay uh, Lachelle, and she was referring to how being within nonprofits, there are a specific set of questions and a different relationship you have with your audience that changes and informs how you do marketing. So each of those episodes touched on people that have deep expertise in their capability or their discipline, Brady in acquisition, John in uh, email, and Lindsay in just kind of like empathy and persona development and audience understanding. However, each of them referred back to like the unique elements that we need as nonprofit marketers to consider and how we implement our strategy. So that was definitely a big theme. And we saw that probably through all of our episodes because again, we are in a collaboration business, not a commerce business. We are trying to drive collaboration from people to support a cause, to advocate, to create justice, to create connection, to create change. And that's not the same as commerce. So that was a big theme for me. But William and Emily, what about you? What, what did you, what big trends stood out to you in the 12 conversations we had on this season? I think, I think going off of what you're talking about with collaboration, what jumped out, and maybe, maybe it was especially in the fourth episode, the Floyd Jones conversation, that community as an idea and, and engaging with your audience meaningful and not, not even almost shifting the, the view of your audience being the target audience to being your community, a, a group of people that you want to spend your time with, you want to engage with, you want to develop those relationships that I, I feel like that's kind of what, what you're talking about, the kind of distinction between commerce and collaboration here. And, and I think just community as an idea is an undercurrent that's running through a lot of these episodes and makes, makes these, these people as, as marketers, as fundraisers, as people, I think just another, another take, like, I think part of the reason why there's such effective communicators, fundraisers, marketers is because they're they're good people. They care about uh, their communities. They care about the people they work with. They care about the people they serve. The episode with Chris Barlow, he brings up the idea of service a lot. And I think that's just attached to the same idea of, of community. Actually, I think he has this really great line. I, I pulled up some of the notes. Okay, okay, there's, there's too many quotes here. But Chris Barlow talks about content and the way that content is really about serving your community. And so I, I think that service and that community is, is one of these undercurrents that we see just running throughout all these episodes uh, and what sets apart these marketers as you know, effective nonprofit marketer, marketers and communicators that are doing great work. Yeah, to piggyback off of what you said, William, that these marketers, they're more than just marketers, they're good people. That's my biggest takeaway from this season is that I, I mean, I'm a marketing designer, but I've never really defined myself as a marketer. But through all of these episodes, I found myself connecting to each of the guests because it was showing like the human side of marketing. And it helped me connect more to the work that we do because it was so clear, like the passion that every single guest had for their, for their organizations, for their causes. And I, I mean, there's so many great quotes and so many great single one-off episodes, but that's probably my greatest like overarching takeaway is seeing the human side 
of marketing because everything's so digital now and finding ways to make those connections is really hard. But I found myself connecting with each episode so easily because it was just more than a marketer. I was hearing their opinions on things, their favorite songs, books that they like, things like that, that I always just think of as more human qualities in a person. That's, that's so good. I mean, I feel like the, as I was thinking yesterday and, and thinking about this conversation today, that was the, the biggest internalization that I had was that, at least the, the way that Feather talks about marketing is good. I think this thing that separates good marketing from okay marketing is the depth of the quality of the person. And, or at least it's one of the bigger things that, that makes that distinction. And just like you said, that's just like, that just struck me listening to these conversations is that these are good people trying to do good things in the world, trying to tell people's stories effectively so that they can make a deep positive impact in the world. It's really inspiring. The other thing, Emily, that you mentioned, which we had a hunch about going into this and we wanted to explore, and it wasn't a stated hunch in the podcast, but it was something that we definitely talked about as a team, is those at nonprofits doing marketing align maybe more with you, Emily, which is they don't see themselves as marketers. Now, there are exceptions to that, and they might say, oh, yeah, I am a marketer or I do marketing. But more often than not, marketing is a capability or a function that's embedded within some sort of other identity. And we wanted to expose that you didn't need the tax of a label, quote, marketer, to be doing marketing and to lean into marketing communities to learn, to hear others' opinions, to glean insights and best practices, uh, to learn testing frameworks and questions to ask. And the fact that two of our people on our thing said, hey, you don't have to be on Facebook if it's not serving you well. Like, wow, what a relief. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because as someone doing marketing and not a marketer, they might, you know, like our hypothesis was, they might frame that as like, I'm not a marketer, so I don't know. I'm doing marketing things, but I'm not a marketer, so I don't know. So I just do the ings. I don't really focus on the market or best practices, or I don't necessarily resonate with this. And we wanted to like remove that identity tax for those listening to see themselves as doing marketing and thus now a part of a community of people doing marketing and to be able to learn from a diverse set of voices. Which was the other theme I was going to mention is that we had some incredibly diverse across multiple vectors of voices share into season one across the first 12 tracks from those that have been in philanthropy for 20 plus years, those that lean more into the fundraising side versus the marketing side and kind of debating like what's the difference between fundraising and marketing. We had those that came from community grassroots organizations and now they're at Nonprofit technology companies like Feather. We had people that scale doing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to individuals helping organizations raise their first million dollars. And so just that diversity range, while also having similarities in the trends that they're seeing, the focus points that they're having, you know, what should we stop doing? What should we continue to doing? How do we measure results? How do we increase confidence? Wow, competition for attention is fierce. Whether you're 100 million or a million, 
same challenges are facing you. And we saw that show up in season one. I want to take a moment and kind of dig a little deeper. You know, we're on the Unplugged podcast, so I think it's only right to go a little bit more unplugged with our reflections on each of these episodes. So I wanted to kind of review the first 12 tracks, I guess. The 12th track being our trends track. And pull out some of the highlights, but really just as a preface to encourage you to go back and re-listen to those episodes if these themes or areas of focus are of interest to you. So William, do you want to kick us off by kind of highlighting some of the lessons learned from Chris Barlow's episode, who's the chief happiness director, chief happiness director. What kind of title is that? Come on, Chris. Uh, we actually unpacked that in the episode. Yeah, What was Chris's uh, episode all about, uh, episode number two? And what were some of the lessons people can learn from that episode if they go back and listen? I'd say the big takeaway with Chris Barlow's episode, yeah, which you already mentioned, the chief happiness director at Beeline Marketing which has just got to be the best job title of all time. I mean, th- these are these are long conversations. So that, that was almost the difficulty with the recap here is that, you know, so much ground is covered. But I think to me, what surfaced, you know, repeatedly was the idea of service. He, he said at one point, if you serve people, they will be attracted to you. And, and I think that that's, you know, nonprofits, especially connect that, that idea of service and, I think for me, and, and it's really inspiring that Chris is able to connect this concept to what you're doing as a communicator, as a fundraiser, as a marketer. You know, this isn't a different thing where where you get to kind of, you're just trying to get results. You're trying to serve people with the stories that you tell, with the information that you share, with the content that you create. So yeah, so so much to, to get into, but I think service being at the core of what you do as a nonprofit, but also what you do as someone who does marketing. Absolutely. And that's something that we we highlight in the purposeful marketing framework that we rolled out last quarter, where we kind of summarized how to do marketing that is good. And it, it starts with reversing from campaign or channel first thinking to audience first thinking and understanding that there's differences within your audiences. And the more you see that and in Chris's words, have are in service to those needs and the context and the intent of those audiences, the more effective your campaigns will be, both in the content you develop and the channels that you use to cultivate those connections and ultimately drive some sort of activation or action. Uh, and that was huge. And, and to kind of jump off of that, I think that becomes a, the sort of idea of channel agnosticism becomes really upfront in, in the fifth episode with Lindsay Lachelle and the seventh episode with Dana Snyder, who, who are both, it's, I think it's surprising me because they are such effective marketers and have been through so many experiences where they, they know how to work on the channels. And yet, as they spoke with you, you know, it's, it's clear that their focus is on the audience, is understanding who they're serving. And, and that's why I think, like you're saying, it, you know, they aren't, yes, they, they know how to run the channels, but they run the channels in service of their community and their audience. And I think that directionality, you and I have talked about it, and, and it's so different from the way that I think even I was approaching marketing six months ago. You know, instead of just thinking, okay, I'm going to do this one thing well, it's really, I, I need to connect with people in whatever 
I need to do to, to connect with those people is what I need to do well. It doesn't matter. Even what you're just talking about now, I think as like a capability, like marketing as a thing that people do. And it's, it's just that form of how do you engage with someone meaningfully? Yeah, I heard someone the other day um, on a podcast refer to marketing as a trade. And I thought that was really interesting that it's a practice. It's not, I think sometimes we can think of it as this abstract thing or this thing that's, you know, you have to know a lot about to be able to do. And you have to like have this diverse thinking and like, because marketing is so involved, like it encompasses a lot of things, especially when you view marketing and, you know, beyond just like promoting things like marketing is understanding the market and doing things to connect with your market and cultivate them to activate them into your community, connecting your supporters, your stakeholders, your members to your mission, to your story. But marketing as a trade is something like it's a, it's a tactical set of things that I can learn. It's a framework of approaches. It's tools that I can learn to use when I need to. I thought it was just really, really, really helpful seeing it as an act of trade versus some like creative manifestation or some like abstract thing. And that it's just a capability that you can learn. So moving off of, you know, we talked about Chris Barlow's episode. We talked about Dana Snyder's episode and Lindsay Lachelle. That's episode two, five, and seven. I want to move to you, Emily, and get your reflections on episodes three and four. So Taylor Hebel is the chief marketing officer at Hope for Haiti. And Floyd Jones is the director of community at GiveButter, but also has a huge background in community advocacy. What did we learn or what were some of the things that were highlighted in those episodes? Well, I'm making another blanket statement and hopefully that'll direct me to my more direct answer on these two episodes. But for me, what I really enjoyed from these two episodes is the personalities behind these people who are like doing awesome marketing for nonprofits. I know I already touched on this, but these aspects of themselves where they like have fun. And I know we just kind of discussed the cool title of chief happiness officer from the previous episodes we were discussing. But I feel like that's such a common theme I saw through all of this past season is the fun behind marketing and how it doesn't have to be so serious. I think there's a lot of stigma around marketing that it needs to be very buttoned up and very serious all the time. And I think that that's one really valuable thing that came from all of the episodes this season that these people have passion for what they're doing and they were having fun trying to figure out their way to do all of these great things to help support these missions. And that's something that I also really enjoyed. I was going to just lean into that though, is that like their joy and like happiness in themselves is embedded in how they work, which brings, you know, if you look at Taylor's work and how they've done incredible innovation and creative marketing to fuel their fundraising, or if you look at what Floyd's done by just bringing this like joy and happiness to how they manage their community and how that became contagious in bringing people together. It wasn't guilting people, it was activating people and mobilizing them to be part of a movement. And that's part of our jobs, right? Like is to make something people want to be a part of. There's enough chaos and drab and all of that in the news or in our social feeds that inviting something, someone to be a part of something without diluting the seriousness of your missions. You know, some of our organizations we interviewed, like they're working on very hard problems that are serious and, and tragic. 
But this idea of a community coming together to solve that and celebrating the victory is contrarian to a lot of the marketing of the past within nonprofits, which was about guilt, convincing, converting versus engaging, cultivating, and activating and mobilizing. Like There's just more positive energy around that. And then we see that fueling success both at Hope for Haiti, at the work that Floyd did previously, but even in the customers that GiveButter has is they're trying to use contagious joy and connection to mobilize movement versus guilt and shame and you know tragedy. And that, that makes me think of episode 10 with Jonathan Meagher-Zayas and episode 12 with Kia Kroom. The issues, I mean, the issues of diversity equity and justice that both of them are so passionate about and, and moving the needle on in, in their work, you know, they, they bring such positivity to it and it's, it's infectious, you know, that there's still, both of them make it so clear and it, and it is clear that there's so much work to be done in that way. But I, I feel optimistic when I hear people like that, you know, like, like Kia and like Jonathan talk about it because it's like those are the type of people that are going to be able to to change the world and convince me that there that there's hope and and yeah it's just infectious. Yeah, I feel like I of course we're learning all these great insights about marketing from each of these guests, but I'm learning new perspectives and it helps me look at my work differently and it it makes me be more thoughtful in general with how we're communicating and how we represent feather, how we represent ourselves. It's just great lessons not just about marketing. Yeah. And that that pressing on learning was prevalent in episode one with Brady Josephson, who talked about both the qualitative learning opportunities, but also then the quantitative learning opportunities. And he touched on this framework of experiments and how we sometimes say, you know, we're testing this or we're testing that. We're trying to learn. But he made it super practical and said, hey, if you're trying to test things, you need to be clear on whether you're trying something, which means, hey, we are going to try digital advertising. We are going to try connected TV. We are going to try this new channel, et cetera, or this new type of content. We are going to try personalized video or we are going to try voicemail drops or whatever whatever the try is. Or are we piloting something, which is a more contained set of tries where you say, hey, we have a hypothesis that we are going to learn X and Y through answering this question. Or we have these questions we are trying to answer. And we believe that the answer is this. And we are going to run this for a designated period of time. And then we are going to compare our hypothesis with the results to see how what we can learn to move forward. Or the third category of testing he used, which was experiments, which I think is what a lot of people assume testing is, which is, hey, we are going to A-B test or we're going to use a controlled group. Like we send this type of email. Now we are going to send a different type of email to half our audience and see how the results compare. So it's a test benchmarked against a previous control. The challenge with isolating testing to only experiments, which I think is what gets talked about most in marketing, I believe prevents people from testing more things because they don't have a control to anchor that to. So it's like, well, we don't know what's going to work. And so we don't know how to test. And so we're just going to do the same old, same old status quo. And Brady kind of unlocked that, said, no, 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 marketing is about learning, which requires testing. 
But you can just be trying something to learn. You can be piloting something to learn. You can run actual experiments to learn. But being clear which one you're doing enables you to know what set of criteria you're using as the learning mechanism. And that only in, increases the amount of learning you can have, which ultimately for me is the key to marketing, is the faster you learn, the better you are at marketing. Because as a great mentor said, David Cancel, he said, we know we are wrong. We are trying to figure out how wrong as quickly as possible. And I think as marketers, we have to have the humility to go into that and to be pressing into that. And I know even on this season, like I learned a lot from just doing these interviews by producing these 12 tracks. This was a learning experience for our team. And Emily, you reflected that already. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing I wanted to highlight from the episodes is in Brady's episode as well, we talked about the power of narrative and story. And then in episode... I guess it was nine with James Martin. He talked about the power of experience and how we need to think not only about who our audience is, but the experiences that we are creating through storytelling. And so both Brady and James pushed into this idea of story and narrative and experience design. And it's more abstract than saying, hey, we're optimizing these ads or we're experimenting with email or we're going to try TikTok or try a telethon or, you know, do personalized video. Because experience is all-encompassing. It's holistic. But I think it touches on the true thing I'm hopeful for from those doing marketing at nonprofits is for us to take a seat at the table, at the strategy table, and say, we are leaning into the overall experience people have with our, our organization, our mission, our cause, our association, etc., and that involves the experience that our community has. It's the experience our team has. It's the experience our partners have. And that experience is something that marketer, mar- those doing marketing, I think, are better positioned to serve and to steward than most others in an organization because it's a synthesis of other capabilities organized to deliver a consistent story, a consistent narrative, and ultimately a delightful experience. And to me, marketing is good through consistent experience design. And I think those doing marketing have a great opportunity to step up in 2023 and beyond to champion that experience. I think the the other episode that jumps out as as you're talking about James Martin and uh, Brady Josephson is episode eight with John Walsh, you know, who's really in the world of fundraising and content production and telling stories, but also I think talks kind of steps back and and talks similarly to Brady Josephson about testing Um, and just, but it it ties everything in because at one point in time, he says, every audience is unique. That's why you have to experiment because what I say, what you say, we could find it works 99% of the time. And you could be that 1% that doesn't. And, and, and later he just, there's this, he talks about his love of, of testing because uh, you know, John Walsh, even though he's been so effective at communicating these stories for his organizations, there's still this humility and desire to learn from these things. So I think that's part of the excitement is is asking questions and having more questions at the end of it. But then also just that, I, I think like you said too, that encouragement that, you know, nonprofit marketers, they don't need to always be running the most detailed experiments. But John Walsh also said, you know, 
just, just recommended knowing why you're testing something. It doesn't have to be super ambitious, super scientific. You don't have to know, you don't have to always have, you know, a formulated hypothesis, but there, there has to be an objective in mind for, for the types of tests that he's running. And I think that kind of just parallels with, you know, ties in with story and how you communicate story and how you get feedback. R- really that story, even in this sense is, is dialogue. You know, you, you share the story and then you get a response and you measure it and you see where to take your next step. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad we were able to rewind and recap these first 12 tracks. One thing I mentioned on almost every episode is we highlighted successes each of the guests had, but knowing there were more scraps on the floor than successes, and in those scraps is where we learn the most. And our guests on every track emphasize that. So I highly recommend going back and listening to each of them because we deep dive into those learnings, both through success and scraps or failures, and that you can glean from others. And I think that's the power of conversation, the power of why we here at Feather wanted to have this conversation. And we continue to have this conversation as we prepare season two that will be rolling out soon. Hey friends, Emily here from Feather. Feather's nonprofit marketing platform turns your if-only wish list into reality. Feather Flights, our marketing automation tool, helps you design multi-channel campaigns and automated engagement journeys. Feather is trusted by over 1,300 nonprofits, and we help you unlock more time, more results, and ultimately, more confidence with real-time ROI reporting at the campaign level so you know what works, removing the guesswork from your 2023 plan. Book time with one of our digital strategists today and learn how you can unlock more in 2023 with Feather by visiting feather.co. That's feather without the last e dot co. I would be remiss, y'all, if we didn't end this episode with a lightning round like we did with our guests. You know, we've heard what books they love, what quotes they love, uh, what music they love, and you know, even nonprofits and brands they look up to. But what about you all? So Emily, what's a book you wish you had read earlier in your career? And then William, you can answer after. There is a book that I read in like the fifth grade (laughs) called Ruby Holler. And it's this really lovely novel. It's a coming of age tale. And I feel like it just really helped me learn to like connect with my emotions and kind of identify some things I was feeling as a kid that I didn't really know how to communicate. So that might be my answer because I don't have a very cerebral book to bring to the table for this answer. <laughs> William? I, I feel like I'm cheating just because I read this relatively recently, but I read Do More Good by Bill McKendry and just his perspective on nonprofits doing marketing. I think well, one, one thing he talks about is his work with Mother Teresa and the idea that Mother Teresa would would step back from her missional work and talk to donors and supporters because she understood she maybe didn't really want to, you know, spend her time networking and, you know, but but she realized that she needed, at least the way that Bill McKendry communicated, it was more more margin meant more mission. Yeah. And, and that really stuck out to me through that book. Yeah, that's a good one. I haven't read it fully, but I've heard great reflections from that. So that's an encouragement. Do more good. Uh, The one for me is Age Old Marketing Book. I think it was written 
you know, 50 years ago called Positioning the Battle for Your Mind by Al Reese and Jack Trout. I believe there's some updated versions um, since the original copy, but the original copy still frames what marketing is in a way that is disconnected from how we connect with our audiences because for it to be 50 years old and still relevant, it focuses on kind of the true heart of marketing, which I don't think is channel tactics or, oh, now it's Facebook advertising or video ads or this, that, and the other, but rather like what is the heart of marketing? So highly recommended it. Recommend it. Positioning the battle for your mind. Uh, more behavioral psychology slash marketing, but ultimately informative for everyone. Next lightning round question is, what is a go-to axiom or kind of holding quote that you continue to go back to as you do your work? This is a hard one. I don't, I don't know if I have, a, I didn't have anything easily jump out. And so this is a little bit revealing of my English lit background. And I, I don't think about this all the time. So that maybe isn't the right answer to the axiom question, but there's this line in King Lear and Shakespeare's King Lear where he writes, speak what we feel, not what we ought. And I don't know, I, I think I've just been reflecting on that a little recently, the, the value of authenticity and, and coming across as you truly, you, you don't always have to be 100% authentic all the time. But I think when you have something, I think, I think that was something that kind of stood out in Kia Kroon's episode too, just the idea when you, when you have a knowledge of something or when you have a truth of something, you know, and, and as it relates to marketing, that that it is part of your job to to communicate that truth that you've been given in your heart. So I, I think about that sometimes just a challenging passage from Shakespeare. Wow. Great answer, William. Shout out, shout out to the English lit majors <laughs> that are now doing marketing. Uh, I know many of them. So we're glad that you built that bridge, William, with our audience <laughs> that resonate with that. So as William and I talk about all the time, that is not me. <laughs> so I was a marketing major through and through. <laughs> More psychology, behavioral psychology interests, but I'm grateful for the diversity and the lessons learned through it. Emily? Mine is definitely not as deep as William's. That was a great answer, William. But something I find myself saying quite often, and I'm certain you both have heard me say this several times, but when something doesn't go right, I'm always like, that's showbiz, baby. And I feel like for me, it's a way of remembering that you can't control everything. And if something doesn't go exactly as anticipated, it's like a playful reminder that, hey, that's just how life is. And you can't always be so serious when things don't go your way. And that's something that's helped me day in and day out. That's just showbiz, baby. I love it. That, that was going to be my, I was going to steal a, Brady Josephson's was It's Just Rock and Roll from Bruce Springsteen. So and I was good. I was about to just rip his and make it my own because that's that's great too. I, I that one stuck with me uh, as an axiom that Brady Josephson shared. It's great. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't mine, but it reminds me of one I say often and I've shared on the podcast before. Is that you get two scores in every situation. You get the first score, which is the score you got, and you get the second score, which is how you respond to the first. Mm -hmm. Focus on the second. Just a powerful reminder again that you can't control everything, but you can control how you respond to what you can't control. And that's been really impactful in my life, especially over the last year through transitions and just growing family and life and all of that. But also marketing, like you try things and you get results, but 
you learn from it. And I think that's important to pull forward. The one I was going to share, there's two, and I'll share the second one, Ladder, which is my like away message on Teams uh, here at Feather. So everyone on the call now knows what it is. But the one that surfaced yesterday, we were having our all-team kickoff here in Gainesville, Florida with the whole Feather team. You know, all 120 or most of the 120 people in the flock came together to just you know, virtually or in person to kind of talk about the future and talk about how we're what we're focused on and how focus requires patience, but how focus also produces confidence. And there was a moment yesterday where something came up where it's like, you know, we're doing all this stuff, we're doing this these things, we're doing new things. And Nelson Mandela's quote came up, which was, it's impossible until it's done. And I think that's just important for me to lean into because there's so many things that are first either for you or new challenges that you're tackling that are not similar. And I always had a tendency, especially early in my career, and I still do it today, to just like look externally and be like, who already solved for this? Who made this possible? And the challenge is that that's just not the reality in most situations. And so being able to see things as, yes, it feels impossible, or yes, it seems impossible, but it's only impossible until it's done, is impactful for me. And last but not least is my favorite quote, which is by Miss Frizzle, my favorite uh, childhood character, where she said, you know, let's take chances, make mistakes, and get messy. And that would be my call to this community. And as we prepare for season two of the Nonprofit Marketing Unplugged podcast, we're very excited about that. I would just encourage you all to take chances, make mistakes, and get messy. Marketing is good, and that is how marketing is good, is through taking chances. So with that, we're going to close out season one. We've reviewed 12 tracks on this Rewind episode. Emily, William, what are you looking forward to as we look ahead to season two on the podcast? I'm looking forward to some new guests. I know that we had uh, Nicole Rodriguez on the one of our Remix panels, and I think she would make a fantastic guest. But I think she's doing such amazing work at the American Epilepsy Society. And her perspective of how she got into her line of work there is really inspirational. And I would love to hear some more of her perspectives on the podcast. That's a a great question. I feel like I'm just ready for surprises. I feel like some names come up. I mean, we had my my good friend Cam Outlaw on one of the remixes recently, and I think his perspective from a Child's Hope Foundation would be cool. I got to work on a case study one of uh, one of our our customers, Craig King, uh, with the Palmetto State Teachers Association, is just doing incredible work in South Carolina. But I mean, I just feel like we had such an incredible group of people this last season that I think I'm just excited for the twists and turns of next season wherever it takes us. I would echo both of your sentiments. I'm also eager to increase the diversity of experiences and even just types of organizations that we bring guests in from. Um, Like you even mentioned, maybe it's in from more of the healthcare or cause advocacy space or the association space. There's so much diversity in the industry that I think we can still pull out common threads to learn from each other, whether we're, you know, if I'm in a food bank versus in a art museum, there's still lessons to be learned about how we approach doing marketing. I'm excited to pull that out. I'm also excited for an update to our nonprofit marketing unplugged playlist because we got some great tracks 
Emily has been curating those over on Spotify. So if you're interested, you can grab the link to our guest playlist. That includes both the, both the episodes and their favorite songs that keep them motivated. Uh, that's always fun. And this is a part of this. We want this to be all-encompassing in how we support you, our audience, as you're doing marketing. So I look forward to season two. More details to come. And with that, we will close the book and ship the vinyl on season one. Switching gears. Um, are you guys still there? Yep. Yeah. Can, can you please like silence your phone? <laughs> Hang on one second. <laughs> Hello. I'm doing all right. I'm actually in the middle of a meeting. Is something urgent? No, it's okay. I okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> We're gonna keep all that for this. Yeah, he's, he's making no decisions. Well, that's that, actually Emily. That's that's your decision. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. The front desk was just being kind. You know, they were reaching out to see if I needed anything, which is very, very kind.